You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back, and this is going to be a fun one. We are going back to Middle Earth, and we are going to be looking at the Rings of Power, or the proper title is The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, because, you know, that's what, you know, the Tolkien estate needs to actually include that into the title because, you know, they need their moolah and their bucks and, you know, but the show, I think, they got the the rights of it and the show production. I think over the five years, it's going to cost what a billion dollars or something like that overall. And it's, it's just amazing to think that's for a TV show and to, it just blows my mind, but was it worth it? Is it, did they get their money's worth? Did we get our money's worth? That's always the question. And the man who, you know, He's not a Tolkien expert, but he knows what he likes. Let's say hey to Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. So you ready to take a journey to Middle Earth? Absolutely. And as long as there's like shots, like like minutes or hours of shots of uh, characters just walking, then I'm all in. Because that's exactly what the Lord of the Rings movies are about. Well, exactly. It's a movie they walked to destroy the ring and, you know, they walked back afterwards. They had a little help from eagles in it, but that's a whole different story. So I'm curious to see where people are walking to in this. Exactly. They walked here. They walked there. Should be very cool. So it should be interesting to see. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Let us know what you guys thought about Rings of Power. Did you enjoy it or were you involved in any of that controversy, which is really stupid, you know, stuff that people were bitching and moaning about, but that seems like par for course for fandom nowadays. So, you know what, just have fun with it. Enjoy it. We're in a golden age of geekdom folks, and we should appreciate what we have with that, but we definitely would love to hear from you guys. And, you know, if you have issues with what I just said, please, like we said, write us. But we definitely would love to hear from you and, you know, please subscribe to where you listen to us or leave feedback. We would love it. Or you know what? We also have a great brand new YouTube channel. Check us out. You could see Mike and I and all our smiley faces. You could see our guests who are on the show. You could see our guests in the geek seat. You could see our guests during the main topic. It's pretty awesome. And, you know, we try to bring those all unedited. So if we goof up or if we mess up, or if you want curse or something, that'll all be up on YouTube. Not like here where we try to refine it and everything. So it should be very interesting to see. But you know what? It's going to be a lot of fun to be able to talk to you guys about that kind of stuff. And you know what? We want to thank you guys for being here. We also want to thank you guys at home who have also helped out with our Patreon. Our Patreon is our way we can bring the show to you guys weekly. It keeps the lights on. It helps pay for hosting. It helps keep, you know, everything going. And, you know, you too could become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Up there right now, we have the new episode 
of ESO Board Silly. That's right, folks. The ESO Board is back. And we talk about all kinds of cool stuff, like Halloween costumes growing up in the 1970s and 80s, or talking about, you know, going on a cruise and hearing the love boat theme, you know, blasting in horns. Or we even talk about Rankin Bass. It's pretty cool stuff that we get to talk about. So definitely check it out. ESO Network Patreon at patreon.com slash ESO Network. Also, while I'm thinking about it, let's also say hey to our friends over to Fuzzy Optical. Fuzzy Optical is our main sponsor. And you know what? They have some great deals on some sunglasses. With the holidays coming up, not that far away, you too can get a pair of uh, safety goggles, sunglasses, or even exercise glasses or gamer glasses. All kinds of really cool stuff. You can get it and you, as a way of saying thank you, ESO Network is giving you a coupon code of earth station one you get 10 percent off your whole order not just one thing your whole order and that includes sale prices folks so check it out tofosioptics.com tell them earth station one sent you and now we're here with new friend of the show movie reviewer brad jones welcome to earth station one sir thank you very much thanks for having me on absolutely welcome to the station uh, for those people who may not be familiar with uh what you do tell us a little bit about yourself Oh, well, let's see. Uh, I'm just, I, uh, of course, am the author of the novelization of Moment by Moment, obviously. <laughs> obviously. happened to be sitting right there. No, no, no. I run a YouTube channel uh, called Stone Gremlin Productions. I play a character called called the Cinema Snob, which uh, for, for a long time now uh, have been spotlighting usually a lot of exploitation movies, slasher movies, melodramas porn parodies actually quite a few genres over the years and kind of do it nice. like comedically like a lot of trivia a lot of snark and jokes and everything so you'll laugh cry and get turned on by strokemon <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh how long have, when did you first start become interested in in movies oh all my life i uh uh as you can probably tell by my background i'm not a sports guy Oh, no, no. <laughs> no. I don't know what the first clue there was, really. We were talking a little bit about this beforehand, but I was joking, like, I do collect these, but it does not at all, like, represent my taste. I just like collecting <laughs> these buckets. It, well, it, my taste a little in that I do like popcorn a lot. Uh, but no, I grew up watching movies. And um, when I was growing up, my my parents weren't strict. I could watch about whatever i wanted and i grew up in the 80s and the 90s so we had the hbo cinemax package so a little bit uh -oh. of everything uh -oh. like uh you know everything the the award contenders and the action movies and all of that on hbo and then over on cinemax i grew up with the uh the skinemax flicks sure, so, sure. how was andrew stevens gonna get out of this one um <laughs> no so uh um yeah when i started the channel when i started the show it was pretty early on in YouTube, so a lot of a lot of the niche stuff like that, like Italian exploitation movies and all those, weren't getting spotlighted a lot online, really, at the mm -hmm. time. So I wanted to kind of build the show around that because I had a big exploitation collection, a lot of Italian horror movies, a lot of uh, slasher flicks. So I kind of built the show around around that, and I've been doing it ever since. 
Yeah, the uh, growing up in the in the 80s, uh, I feel like was a treat because, you know, I mean, although people long for the days of Blockbuster, the real finds were at the mom and pop like video stores. Right. Because they yeah. they sometimes had that curtain in that mm-hmm. little room in the behind, like in the in, you know behind the curtain. And and they had stuff that like, you know, Blockbuster wouldn't carry because that was pretty much like most of the you know mainstream stuff. Um, and, uh, so if you wanted to go outside of that, you really had to find some other places back then. Oh, totally. I don't, I'm like you, I really don't have the nostalgia for blockbuster video. So we, we had a blockbuster video, but I'm from Illinois and Mm -hmm. blockbuster wasn't the most popular chain in, in our area for us. It was like, yeah, the mom and pop pop ones, like you said, like we had, um, a boardwalk video and a stars and stripes video, thrifty video, all those. But like the big chain with us was family video, mm-hmm. which was way more popular with us than, than blockbuster family video. Like one, the prices were really good at family video and their selection was way better than blockbuster. Like, yeah, they had the back room section that had, you know, <laughs> Caligula, Debbie Does Dallas, and all of that. They had the back for Skin Gump, you know, the classics. Like they had those, and uh, and also, yeah, like the horror movie Seven Doors of Death, and they were they were always uncut. Whereas Blockbuster, it was never anything above an R. And the only mm-hmm. time that I remember going to Blockbuster Video was because blockbuster in our town was the only video surprisingly it was the only video store in our town that had like old pam greer movies so Mm. like oh okay i want to rent coffee at foxy brad i guess i gotta go to blockbuster video (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's uh is there a seminal movie that you can think back to that really like opened your eyes as far as like wow this is this is something that I've never seen before. It's really opened my eyes into a whole new world of, of, of movie making. Um, probably the first time I saw Caligula. <laughs> <laughs> that'll I, that'll keep those eyes open. It it, it did. Oh, like wow! Like we can combine elements of like Shakespearean actors, big gorgeous sets, a costume period piece large budget and hardcore violence and pornography (laughs) like i'm like this is open my eyes to like all of these different things that you could combine um so that that actually did kind of make me want to be an exploitation filmmaker (laughs) 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 but i got into i made some movies but i got into youtube instead well that's the other thing too i mean i i see what you're saying about clearly i think i most people are I, I sort of go with the opposite because back then you know we would rent these things and they would be made by people like like young independent filmmakers yeah and then you would get to think like man anybody can do this right like mm-hmm. it would it would make you think like oh wow all i need is a, is a crew and a camera and i can i can do this stuff too mostly making horror movies yeah yeah and then in the 90s too with like the indie movie boom so like you throw in like kind of quirky comedies in there and and rom-coms and crime flicks like yeah no certainly like all of that made me and my friends want to just like grab our camera and start making Mm -hmm. movies and we did and we when we did for a while and sometimes we still do uh but (laughs) the internet thing kind of takes up a lot of time (laughs) 
Well, sure. Well, sure. I mean, now you're at the point now where like on YouTube, you can, and you were, you're doing it. You can make a movie like every week, like a, a little like short, you know, like, you know, something that, yeah. and that wasn't, that wasn't anything that was available. I can't even imagine like, you know, that, that sort of technology was not even in my scope of th- thinking back then. Oh, that, that would be possible then, to do on such an easy base, easy basis. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like back then, uh, there was there was some we would rent like the shot on vhs movies <laughs> that our video store would have like they would have like wood chipper massacre and truth or dare and movies like that and, and those were always really fun and funny to watch but yeah before the uh the youtube thing like we had a public access show so uh it, back in the 90s like it, yeah we were still in high school and we had a public access show and i guess it was kind of like a prototype of what we would later do on youtube a little bit i'm sure those tapes are still around somewhere but i haven't we liked them at the time now i'm sure i would probably watch it and be like horrified and be like dude we got to burn this <laughs> um what kind of movies do you like look for as far as ones that you want to feature on uh, on your show it's definitely evolved over the years when it first started out uh yeah it was all stuff that like came from my collection and it was typically things like the first episode was uh the italian horror film burial ground and that that Mm. was kind of the type of thing that it started started out as uh really it was kind of whatever i was sort of buying at the time like a like a bruno Mattei movie or or something like that then it kind of evolved to go into like movie bombs and like underrated stuff that i really really like and so now it's and and, and for quite a while it, it really sort of is what i feel like spotlighting that week Unless it's like a tie-in episode, like an obligation episode, you know, like, oh, a remake of this movie is coming out. So I'll do one on the original, you know, like with the Chris Rock Jigsaw movie, Spiral, when that came out, like, I was like, oh, okay, I'll do the first Saw movie. But by and large, it's typically like, okay, I feel like spotlighting this comedy this week, or I feel like spotlighting this like Rambo knockoff from the 80s. It sort of is like just what I feel like watching that week. <laughs> I, I I will say, I mean, watching a couple of the episodes of yours, I, I do sort of credit you. I mean, it would be, uh, it, it's it, certainly the movies and, and your content is, it is not afraid to take some some shots at these movies, um, but there, it seems like it's all tongue in cheek and done with like, you could tell it's done with some respect, if I w- can say that, as well as like, it's just a labor of love for you to bring these movies to people's attention. It's not like you're trying to dismiss them or, or overly criticize them or, or trash them. Yeah, it's done in humor, and it's certainly, like, like the tones have shifted over time. Like, when you go back and watch some episodes, you can kind of tell the era when the video was made so like Mm -hmm. if you go go into like the really really early days like yeah there's a lot of yelling and there's a lot of like uh (laughs) f-bombs and and whatnot um but that was just kind of the genre we were working in at the time for the kind of video but in doing that it was like okay i want to at least like create this character that's obviously fake and and what he's um saying is certainly amped up it's a stereotype of kind of a highbrow art critic guy who's talking about porno holocaust or wanda the sadistic hypnotist and 
So yeah, it was kind of geared in in that a little bit uh, back then, w- while still shining a spotlight on these movies. And the way that it's grown over time is uh, certainly like a lot more analytical, I would say, but still comedic, still like a lot of snark, but but um, in a way where like the character is giving some like facts and certainly my opinion about the movie but also jokey in the sense that he's talking very highbrow and he is uh he is saying like cartoonishly wrong facts about the movie sometimes Mm -hmm. like you can tell the difference between when it's like did they watch it yeah yeah yeah. like you you can tell like the difference between when i'm saying something real about the movie and when i'm just like kind of like you know making up stuff (laughs) so but that but that you know it helps us grow along with the series especially when we've been doing it for so long, because we started this around when YouTube first started. So yeah, if we didn't evolve and change the kind of movie, change the kind of tone, we would just be doing the same thing we were doing 15 years ago, (laughs) like the same kind of thing. We get bored with it or maybe stop doing it, but no, this, this helps us like um, change with, with how like videos kind of go over the course of time. Yeah, and and not only has uh, you know film become a lot more, a lot of films, a lot of different genres, a lot of different types of movies have become more and more available, but um, also growing up in that era of the eighties, nineties, the film critic was like somebody that was put on a pedestal, mm-hmm. usually unjustly so, because they all they, and 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 even the ones that claim to be like the mainstream ones, like Gene Shalit or Rex Reed or even Cisco Lieber to it. Point. They certainly they had this sort of loftiness that like they were they were better than anything else. Like it just like um, so it is kind of funny. I, I I thought they were parodied very well in the in the in the short lived series, The Critic. Yeah, um, yeah, it's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> yeah, 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 and 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 I definitely get that sense from your character as well. Oh yeah, it was kind of inspired off of that because uh, I grew up watching Siskel and Ebert. Like I, I loved Siskel and Ebert, even when I and I oh, dis- yeah. and I disagreed with them a lot because um, sure. they weren't the biggest fans of slasher movies in the <laughs> world. Like so, uh, but they were so good at what they did that like. I could watch them reviewing Friday the 13th part four and and all those and be like, okay, I, they're taking it very seriously. Like, and I, 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 you know, I disagree with them, but I'm like, they are so good at being entertaining about what they're talking about that people would tune in to watch them like, you know, rip on something or argue with each other, even if it was like a movie that, the viewer would like and so when i started this show yeah it was inspired off of that it was inspired off of like ebert talking about friday the 13th the final chapter um but i wanted to do it in certainly like uh you know kind of a loving satire of that Mm -hmm. because i did grow up that show with that show i do like it a lot um and i and all the respect in the world to ebert in the sense that like Okay, he was not the biggest fan of like slashers of the eighties and and a lot of different exploitation flicks. Like you know, gave a half a star to the Beyond, and I love the Beyond. So he wasn't a fan of a lot of those. But I gotta give respect in the sense of like, well, he did kind of put his money where his mouth is. Where in the early nineteen seventies, he wrote what I think is one of the best <laughs> exploitation flicks of all time, <laughs> Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. It's a yeah. masterpiece. So I'm like. <laughs> I got to give the guy kudos. <laughs> it's a great right. movie. 
Is there a specific underground movie, a movie that uh, you feel is uh, underappreciated that you are the champ? You consider yourself the champion of? Oh gosh, uh, that you're really like campaigning. Like more people need to appreciate this. More people need to see this. Ah, probably Messiah of Evil. That's the one I get bring up a lot. It's one of my favorite horror movies of the '70s. And I, I don't know that one. What is that? Oh, Messiah of Evil. Oh, it is like weird and creepy and gritty. Like it's it's like kind of a zombie movie, but not really. Like there's there's parts where it seems like it is because the way it's shot, where all of these creepy ass people come in the movie theater and sit behind the girl when she's watching it. They go in the store and like these things are in there the like kind of people that are sitting there eating meat like it's sort of like a stuck in a small town kind of movie um where a a girl is there looking for her missing father but then there's all this demonic stuff going on it's 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 kind of hard to sum up but it's it's not confusing to watch it and it's from the right the writers would later go on and do and write and write um indiana jones and the temple of doom um and it's it's one where a lot of people own, probably own it without realizing that they own it because it was in the public domain for a while. So if you mm. got like any of those 50 to a hundred movie compilation things, That's odds right. are it's probably on it. Um, and so surprisingly, I never did do a snob episode on it, but I do talk about it a lot. I, 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 I think I had some other shows in the past because it, it used to be where we would have like a number of shows way back when. Now we kind of just sort of focus on the main stuff. But I, I think I had some older shows a while back where I would talk about it on. But that's one that I am always like, you got to check out Messiah of Evil. This thing should be on so many lists of like the, the best <laughs> horror movies of the 70s. Uh, and... Certainly with this, uh, now it seems like so much is available um, with, along with many different sources. You've got like all these cable channels, streaming channels, big time. Um, is there is there a challenge with all this material out there? To, is there it feels like you're never going to end? Or well, it's like, a good is, thing. is it a wealth like, of material? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's always a wealth of material in that e- even, if I, even if I was just specifically talking about stuff from like the 70s i would still they would still be a lifetime's worth of material that i could spotlight um it makes it it doesn't make it difficult on the cinema snob but i i do review like newer movies that come out and Mm. before streaming and all that 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 was fairly easy enough to do i mean at least if you do this for a living it was like in the like oh okay i'm I'll just see whatever's out in theaters over the weekend. Now, between big movies that are on Netflix, Hulu, all of these streaming services, it's like, okay, it's impossible for me to cover everything. And now it's now it's kind of a game of, okay, I guess I'll kind of just talk about whatever the viewers would be interested in. You know, it, I'll look at what's coming out over the weekend and and sort of be like, well, I don't know if anyone will really care what I say about the George Clooney, Julia Roberts rom-com Ticket to Paradise. I'll I'll watch uh, this cannibalism comedy instead. <laughs> like, <laughs> so that makes it kind of I, there. There is a lot of stuff nowadays, but it 
it is a lot. It is a lot to the point to where not a whole lot sticks with me that much anymore because, I mean, th- there's exceptions, certainly, but I'll see something that I'll really, really like a lot and maybe give it like a B plus or an A minus or something, but might, for, like, you, you might ask me something like a week or two later, like, what have you seen recently? And in my head, I'll I'll just forget about what I've seen recently just because there's just, there's so much. Um, and I, I hate scrolling through streaming services. I hate it. Like, I, I really, really do. You'll just be scrolling nonstop and just, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I, I honestly, like, sure, I'm showing my age, but I I do prefer just having cable. I do. Because I'm like, okay, there's limited options. I know I'm going to land on something. Even if it's something that, like, maybe I don't necessarily want to watch, I'll at least land on it. And you'll probably understand this. There's a lot of stuff that we grew up with that if streaming was around that back then, we might not have saw and maybe would have skipped past it. There'd be a lot of stuff that we grew up with. that would be really, really cool that we watched just because it was on <laughs> like, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of discovery anymore. Yeah. 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 Because no, people just go totally. to what they want, watch what they want and then are out. Like there's yeah. not a lot of, unless, unless they're paying attention to what like the streaming service is recommending. Mm-hmm. You know, that's then, then yeah, they, they're not gonna, they're not gonna seek it out or it's not gonna be right in their face. Dude, yeah, like I'll be like, you know, when I was a kid, it'd be like, uh, okay, well, it's two in the morning. There's really not much on. Okay, exactly. yeah, sure. I'm gonna watch, oh, oh, ooh, ooh, White Fire with Robert Ginty is on on Cinemax. I, I know what I'm doing <laughs> right now. I'm gonna be watching this one. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so we find we figured out what you're up to, Mike. I think it's uh, time to find out what he's really passionate about. So it's it's time for the geek seat. We'll get the straps ready. Oh, we are so ready for this man, but you have to be careful. He's into the cannibalism, so he might chew off his own arm to try to get out of it. So <laughs> that, that can happen. That can happen. No, oh, people have threatened in the past, so you know it'll be very interesting to see what happens. All right, Brad, are you ready for your first question in the geek seat? Sure. All right, Brad, what was your favorite geek out moment? My favorite geek out moment. Uh, which one can I say on, on video? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, meeting um, uh, Joel Hodgson was pretty, was was cool for me. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because yeah, he's one of those guys where it's like I'm, I'm thinking in my head going like, I don't know if I would be do. In fact, I highly doubt I would be doing this for a living if it weren't for him and his work and his show. So that was a pretty cool moment for me growing up with mystery science theater and then doing comedy stuff with movies and finally meeting him and and super nice guy. Very, very, very cool, funny, nice dude. So yeah, that, yeah, I really liked that moment. Oh, I'm sure you probably were like, we're not worthy. We're not oh, worthy. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your most disappointing geek out moment? This is this this and okay. Now this now this one I'm definitely like okay, I guess I should probably leave out names. Um I remember, okay, I'll leave on a name. I don't even know if this is disappointing. It's actually really, really funny. But um, so I, the only person I guess that I met um, who uh, wasn't the nicest person in the world, big, like, uh, you know, was on a popular uh, 
show in the 70s um still does stuff it does a lot of conventions uh i remember i was standing there and i i had kind of heard that he's not the best person to get along with the conventions and i'm standing there and there was a kid <laughs> there's a kid who goes up to him just wants a picture is just like i'm a big fan i i want a picture that would be cool dude's just like forty dollars and, <laughs> and the kid's just sort of like disappointed just like oh oh i, oh, I don't have that uh uh, I guess I'll go. The kid walks. Guy goes, hey, kid. Kid turns around. Just goes, Evan Cheapskate. <laughs> so it was, like, it was like, I don't know if I can curse on here. So I just said like. <laughs> so no, I you're just perfect. Said, oh, okay. So you go, Cheapskate. And like. So <laughs> it was like the opposite Mean Joe Green moment. It mm. would feel like. Yes. Yes. Like, Mean hey, kid. Green, screw like, you. Yeah, 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 like me, Joe Green spits in the kid's face. Yeah. You're ain't getting this t-shirt. Yeah, that's just all I could think of off the top of my head. But like, uh, uh, wow, <laughs> that actually Amazing. is one of my favorite convention moments. Wow, we like, we like telling that story. What geeks you out the most? Oh, what geeks me out the most? Um, <laughs> new fast food items. <laughs> really wow i'm a geek for like fast food and mcdonald's and all of that so like when mcdonald's brings something back like uh you know oh the mcrib is back like uh, we're in mcrib season we are we're in McRib McRib season. season i geek out for that stuff i geek out for like the mcrib coming back i'm the dude's like yo you got to bring back the arch deluxe i would be there like the day ah! that it comes back <laughs> I would be first in line. I had that back in 1996. It was delicious. So when like. So you were the one who tried the McDonald's surf and turf. Got it. I did. I did try the surf and turf. And the Mc1035 where you get a a McDouble and put like the McDonald's egg on it. And like uh, the Canadian uh. bacon. It's not bad. Um, but I'm a fast. What's what's the game. what's the one where the they had the cold side and hot side? The McDLT. DLT. DLT. <laughs> you could kind of get that for a little. Where the hot while. stays like, hot and the cold stays yeah. cold. If you got like back when they had the big <laughs> taste, like you could be like, well, I guess this is kind of the McD. If you say if they still had the Mc, the McD or. The big and tasty you probably could have gone up to him and been like yeah can you put half of it in like this wrapper and half of it in this wrapper <laughs> um when discontinued soda flavors like make a comeback like i like that kind of thing like when crystal pepsi comes back when uh anytime mountain dew pitch black comes back um well, that's, that's why i love traveling to different parts of the country because they have yeah. different things and oh they do that. yeah and everything mm-hmm. just when you go to italy don't try beverly That's i've had beverly yes um i've had beverly before it was someone uh someone i knew was in italy and they said uh, do you want me to send you back anything from uh from the, the world of coke is that what it yeah. was yeah, yeah from the world of coke and i go i, I knew what beverly was and I, I i do have like a food and drink show so i go if you can get me some beverly that that would be cool and they sent it back to me in this like water bottle and it was uh it was what i thought it was going to be where it's like an aperitif so it's like really bitter like so i did do That's i did do a video that is that. an understatement it's not the worst one that i've had it was bad but like worst one was there was ranch dressing soda 
Oh, and I, and I oh, and oh. don't get me wrong, I love ranch dressing, but in soda form, ooh, that was like vomit backwash. If you drank like water and ranch dressing, and it it didn't work. <laughs> so I guess that also just answered your question: What turns your geek off? <laughs> right I will not have sex in a bathtub full of ranch dressing soda. Oh, <laughs> that is oh. a major turnoff. Ew, there's so that, many diseases that, that would come out of that oh yeah yeah <laughs> that that's a first <laughs> what fictional character would you like to meet the most fictional character would i like to meet the most uh, uh james bond i guess that would be cool which oh, one big... oh that's an even better question which one? Oh, i guess connery um but all of them i would like uh um yeah yeah I mean, connery's the most iconic so sure uh but I'm a huge George Lazenby fan. So like mm-hmm. he he's one who would just him as an actor. I'd like to meet in general anyway. Like we almost had him in one of our movies, but it was like a it, it was like a a scheduling thing and also we had run out of budget around that time. <laughs> but <laughs> um no, no. Uh yeah, James so grew up a big Bond guy, so yeah. Okay. No, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. What fictional character would you like to meet the least? Uh geez, which slasher villain? Um, probably Freddy Krueger. Um, I could I could get away from like you know, Jason. It's like, well, okay, I just won't go to Camp Crystal Lake. Um Michael Myers Michael Myers, like uh I I stay up in northern Chicago. I won't be near the fictitious city of Haddonfield. But I do sleep and I love sleep. So Freddy Krueger, yeah. <laughs> yep, Freddy. yeah. That kind of fits with the season we're in right now, so it's perfect. Mm. What is your favorite geek phrase, quote, or pose? What's my favorite geek quote? Yeah, or pose or phrase. Pose or phrase. Uh <laughs> push the button max from uh the great race my favorite comedy (laughs) oh that's awesome that is awesome love it what is your ideal geek occupation um i i would love to do a show like siskel and ebert I would like, and I like, you know, I do like the snob stuff and all of that. But like, if I could, if I had like the funds and could recreate like just a shot on tape, uh, show like Siskel and Ebert with another person where it's just kind of these condensed few minute reviews for things that come out, I would totally do that. Especially if we could get the rights to thumbs up and thumbs down. (laughs) I would, I could, I would do that for the rest of my life. That's awesome. That is awesome. What geek occupation would you not want to do? Oh, uh, what would I not want to do? Um, I, uh, I want to do, I, I don't know. I, I guess it depends on, cause I want to say like editing or right. I, I, it would depend on what the project is. If it's something that like, I don't, if if it's outside my wheelhouse, outside my genre, I'd be like, okay, I wouldn't want to write that. I wouldn't want to direct that. Um, I would just act in it instead. So I guess it, man, yeah, it depends on, it all depends on the genre. Oh, I would not want to organize a convention. That sounds stressful. 
<laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty strong answer. That's we get that yeah. one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Even you'd... especially from people who who organize conventions. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, I got, very I got much friends so. Who've done, I got friends who have done that. I'm like, no, nah, I couldn't do it. No, 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 no. I would not organize a con if my life depended on it. Mm-hmm. So understandable there. Hey, at least you didn't say you know cleaning up the back room at the video store. You know, behind the curtain. <laughs> well, I'm not a germaphobe, so I can yeah. really do it. Okay. <laughs> All right, are you ready for your final question in the Geek Seat, Brad? Yeah. All right, this is for all the marbles. So this let's Ooh. make this a good one. So what is your ultimate geek fantasy? Oh, man. Um, ultimate geek fantasy. Um, <laughs> maybe going back to the 1970s and making a porno. <laughs> wow <laughs> i probably would like i i would like i think about that sometimes like i've i've written a few different genres i'm like yeah you know i would like to make like something that's got like a, a plot like a crime thriller or something like that i wrote one at one point like go back then make it all gritty and stuff like shoot it on film put it out there on like you know the the porn theaters that our town had at the time Oh, sure. Just some cool, sleazy gutter movie that I could be like totally proud of. So you must have loved uh, Boogie Nights then. I do. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. That is awesome. That I would is... want to do it. I guess I would probably want to. I'm from Springfield, Illinois. I guess I would probably want to do it maybe in Springfield. I feel like uh, if I did it in like a big city or something like that, I would somehow get tied up with the mafia and that might not end pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Soprano would like to speak with you. <laughs> uh, he, needs, he just cut this, this crime thriller I made. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I could have some suggestions for you. You might want to do this and this. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yes, I sir, will. sir, sir, yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why there needs to be a giant spider in this movie, but all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good old Kevin Smith. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome, dude. Well, Brad, I've got some great news for you. You've made it to Geeksy. Congratulations. Huzzah! Thank Huzzah! You. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $39.08. Perfect. <laughs> That'll pay for his next movie. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, right. It'll pay for the next like bucket that they sell. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Awesome. Brad, it's been amazing having you on. Where can people go to find out about your various shows and what you're doing? Uh, you can subscribe to me at youtube.com slash stoned gremlin productions or just go to YouTube and type in the cinema snob. I, my archive site is the cinema snob.com and I'm also on uh, channel awesome.com as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we will have links to those in our show notes so that people can check them out. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back when we are going to be talking all about the rings of power. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. We don't really have a lot to talk about in theaters this weekend. That's because all of the buzz is about the big movie coming out the weekend after that, which is, of course, the long-awaited Black Panther sequel, Wakanda Forever. 
there's a lot of emotion for fans going into this movie after star Chadwick passed away following his battle with cancer. And so obviously his presence and the absence of T'Challa as Black Panther is going to hang very heavily over this movie. And I'm glad they're not just sweeping that aside and recasting the role. There's been a lot of debate about whether the character should have been recast or not. And I personally fall in the camp of I'm not ready to see somebody else play T'Challa. I think that Chadwick gave such a masterful performance. Um, They need to have this in tribute to him. And so I would much rather see one of the characters existing in the universe, whether it's his sister or a friend, take on the role for him. So really curious to see how all that is handled. Of course, also with the addition of Namor, the character, and a whole new side of the MCU. So yeah, there's a lot going to be going on in this movie, probably one of, and because of that, one of the most important movies that we have seen in phase four so far. So yeah, I'm going into it just kind of curious to see what they do. Of course, bring my box of Kleenex because I know it's going to be an emotional experience. So hopefully we'll all have lots of good stuff to talk about in a couple weeks, but otherwise, hang on. We've still got Andor going on over on streaming House of the Dragon and She-Hulk have wrapped up, so it feels like we get a little bit of a breather before we get bombarded with a bunch of movies for holiday season. If you were a monster kid growing up, if you enjoyed Saturday mornings watching monster movie matinee, or staying up all night watching the midnight feature, then Monster Attack is the podcast for you. We not only look at classic old monster movies, we share our experience growing up as a monster kid. Join us every Monday for Monster Attack. My brother gave his life hunting the enemy. His task is now mine. Speak your truth. You're Stand with me. Ours was no chance meeting. Not fate, nor destiny. Ours was the work of something greater. Each of us, every one, must decide who we shall be. I am not the hero you seek. Whatever it was you did, be free of it. One day this will be your kingdom. Raise your sail and then let go. Choose not the path of fear, but that of faith. One thing we can do, better than any creature in all Middle-earth, we stay true to each other with our hearts even bigger in our feet. We can survive this. 
Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it is time to do the Rings of Power. Fans of Middle Earth, beware. We are going to spoil the hell out of this one if you haven't seen it yet. So come on, bring it on, Mikey. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we got a great crew to do it. There's a lot to talk about here, a lot to unpack. So we'll do as best we can. And we've got with us uh, some good friends of the station. We have MD Jackson joining us again. MD, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me back after the last time. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, you, you did all right. You did all right. Uh, well, uh, well. Um, and, and, and Chip, we, we, we invited you back to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not I even a, it's why. Not even a science it? episode. Jeez. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, well, there's might be science. In, well, no, there's not. No, there's no science in this. <laughs> this this oh, makes, makes us feel, this, this makes us feel a little academic because uh, there is something actually with the Lord of the Rings, I guess it's just because of Tolkien and the history uh, of the books and everything, but there just it seems to be a literary factor, even on the, the movies and the TVs, like whatever Tolkien comes out, like Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, whatever, it seems like there's a literary quality to it. It feels like there's a depth to this material that is unlike anything else. I mean, we are blessed to have, tons of fantasy series and and movies on right now um and yet lord of the rings still stands out to me of course it doesn't hurt that you know amazon puts up like a bazillion dollars like to as the budget um so a lot of expectations going into this uh chip we'll start with you what were your like what were your thoughts leading up to this series were you excited were you just kind of like curious what what was going on there I would say that when I first heard about the series and started looking into some of the stuff that was coming out, I would put it the same way I put it with a lot of uh, comic book adaptations. I'm cautiously optimistic. I want it to be good because I like this material. I've read the Silmarillion. I've read a lot of them. And I was like, please be good. Please be good. So cautiously optimistic. I was hopeful that they'd learn from a lot of these that good adaptations work. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, MD, what about you? Had you heard a lot about what this was going to entail or, or were you invested from the get-go? I was not invested from the get-go, actually. Uh, people kept asking me, are you excited about that? I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I actually wasn't even sure whether I was going to watch it or not. Uh, I, I was, I was, I was very indifferent towards it. Um, you know, I mean, I love the movies and of course I read the book you know, the, all the books when I was, you know, 13 or 14 back in the, in the late seventies. And, you know, so uh, for this, for me, this was just like, you know, it's, it's another helping of icing. Do we really need it? You know? So I was, I was really wondering whether I was actually even going to, going to check it out, but I did once the first two episodes dropped and, and, and did get invested in it uh, mm-hmm. you know, once it started. So you, you gotta, you gotta follow through once you started. 
especially if someone's <laughs> going to spend this much money on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike, what about you? What, uh, what were your feelings going into Rings of Power? It was interesting because it was touted as this, you know, all this money was being thrown at it. It was, you know, Amazon's big gamble to, you know, bring some Tolkien, you know, short stories to life or appendixes or, you know, little bits and pieces because, you know, there weren't full stories written about this. And I was very curious on how they were going to do it. And one of the things I noticed once they started casting, there weren't any huge names attached to this. And I was just, I was overly cautious and it was going to be then HBO countered it by coming out with the Game of Thrones, you know, prequel, you know, at the same time, you know, literally, I think they premiered within a week of each other and it was, it was just crazy. I was, you know, so I went in and you know, the first episode, the first two episodes, the first one definitely left me kind of cold and I'll be completely honest about it. And, but when they started getting into more of, you know, introducing the dwarves and introducing characters, we were familiar. So it was, just, it was interesting. And I would be very curious to see here what you guys think, because you know, as the series grew and I got to know the, a lot of these characters, I started warming up big time to it. And by the time the series ended, I was like, all right, I want the next season already. I'm ready for this type of thing. So it was pretty cool. And I wasn't expecting yeah, that. I mean, I haven't, I haven't read all the books. Lord knows I tried when I was a kid, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get into them. Um, but I did enjoy the movies. Uh, I did enjoy Peter Jackson's movies. I enjoyed, well, even before that, I enjoyed, you know, the Rankin and Bass movies as well as the, the Ralph Bakshi stuff. Um, and so, I, but I didn't, I don't have a lot of invested. I'm not by any means, any sort of expert. I mean, I, you know, I have to be hit over the head with something if I'm going to recognize a name or a place or something. So, um, so I'm, I go in pretty, pretty open. Uh, but I was concerned for a couple of reasons. Uh, one was that Peter Jackson was not involved. Um, I mean, I think they, the goal was at first to have him involved, but it didn't work out. So that was sort of a red flag. Like, Ooh, is this, you know, it seems like they they want to tie this in to the movies, but they can't. And there's all this sort of stuff. Also, it's a prequel. You know, the the, the movies and The Hobbit takes place in the third age of Middle Earth. This takes place in the second age. Um, and so there are some characters and things that, you know, you know how they're going to end up eventually. If you're familiar with the movies and the books and whatnot. Uh, and anything that doesn't add up with that um, is going to be a red flag and is going to take you out of it. Um, and, uh, and like any adaptation, anything that you're really familiar with the books or the appendices in this man, in this case, (laughs) um, you're, you're really gonna like, you know, that's going to be a red flag anytime that this, they take liberties with it. Um, despite the fact that the Tolkien estate has said that, you know, they can't do anything that, uh, you know, sort of conflicts with, how things are going to end up. But I, I think we've seen so far, uh, or at least has been 
that I've read about in the research, things have have veered off a little bit. Um, but uh, we'll talk about all that. But uh, um, but the first thing that I noticed is that uh, and Mike, you Mike, as you said, like they didn't. There's no big names in this. But that's just because they couldn't afford it. They didn't have that money. Uh, no, uh, they had money. But I mean, it's all on the screen. This might be the most beautiful show I've ever seen. Um, as far as the effects, the scenery, uh, the the costumes, the sets. Uh, so that that you know that at every penny seemed to be on the screen, and uh, the fact that they didn't have any, they didn't spend any on on, on big names uh makes me sort of appreciate that because i wasn't pulled out of it by going oh my god that's like kate blanchett or oh my god that's like you know whatever um i just didn't i could get more invested in these characters because i didn't recognize what a lot of these people had done prior to this and i thought they were all solid uh i didn't think it i didn't think there was any problem with the acting uh md how did you feel about the look of the show and the content well that is the uh the one saving grace that i thought was that the the show looked absolutely gorgeous and um you know the same production people from the movies are obviously brought in for this especially um production designer john howe who mm. uh, is a fellow fellow british Columbian, uh and uh he his design work his artwork is uh informs the show in as much as the uh he it informed the movies and i think that's um that's just one example of a lot of the production people that they've you know, that, that look has been consistent and that's, um, been very, uh, um, I, that's one of the reasons why I follow it is everything just looks so gorgeous and, and clean. <laughs> everything yeah. just looks so nice for, for the most part. I mean, you know, the armor is just burning <laughs> so nicely. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's, a, um, and, and, you know, until it's, everything is covered in ash. Well, until everything is covered <laughs> in ash later on, but I mean, at the, at, you know, when, when the, the Harbor at Numenor looks like it's just, you know, uh, obviously they've got a lot of people employed, you know, sweeping the cobbles and stuff like that. Everything is just, just beautiful. Um, but, um, yeah. And the, you know, the cast, of course, uh, no big names, uh, other than Lenny Henry, uh, who most people don't know, but <laughs> I, I've been a big fan of his since, since he had his own comedy show back in the eighties. So, uh, for me, that was the only name I really knew. Um, but, um, uh yeah just absolutely gorgeous um beautiful looking uh scenes every every scene has got something absolutely gorgeous to look at um and the other thing of course is the howard shore theme i mean the mm-hmm. bear mccrary does the incidental music but uh howard shore who did the music for the movies uh you know was brought in to to do the overall theme which gives it that that very you know, same feel as the, as the, as the motion picture. So of, it is of a set <laughs> with the movies anyway. Um, I mean, as far as the books go, you know, all of this material is pulled from the appendices, which is probably the, the, the part of the, the last book that you didn't read, you know, <laughs> you got to the end of Return of the King and it's like, oh, wow, you know, that was fantastic. And there's all this appendices. And I mean, unless you're really, really Jones and for more Tolkien, you know, this is, before the Silmarillion came out. Uh, and honestly, if you tried to read that, you were way too into it. You know, you're way more into it than I was. I tried, I, I couldn't do it. But um, yeah, the, the the appendices was probably the one, you know, other than the on, you know, about, there was one thing about about hobbits, 
you know, about Hobbit. So I thought, yeah, I'll read that. And it's like, yeah, okay, this is really boring. I'm done with the book. <laughs> I didn't read the rest of it. So, um, <clears throat> so mining from that material is, uh, um, is, um, <clears throat> it's, I don't know, it's a questionable choice, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it gives them a, a, a lot, a little bit to play with. Right. So, um, and we see that play out. Um, uh, Chip, what about you? What did, how did you feel about the overall look of the series, cast, et cetera? I have to agree with both of you guys that I liked, I actually kind of liked the fact that there was no big names or at least no, like they didn't try to, because it would have honestly taken me out of the show more than anything, especially because it would have just, it would have become like, oh, who's that? Okay. Mm. Um, visually, I liked it. I agree with you guys. I can't really say anything else other than what you said about the fact that you know, it looks like Jackson's movies. It very much has that same feel. Um, I will say I made the mistake of seeing a couple of YouTube videos where they really zoom in on the armor. And there were a couple spots where it, the Numenorians, where some of the budget starts to show a little bit in terms of what they're wearing under the armor and sort of what they're wearing with it. That weren't necessarily the show's fault. It was just one of those once you see it, you can't really unsee it kind of situations. So some of them were in Grateful Dead t-shirts. I couldn't help it, you know. Yeah. There's, well, it's just there's some like screen printing and some obvious like kind of where you know somebody's what's supposed to be armor is like cloth padding, and it it, it didn't ruin it for me. But like I said, and it was my like totally not like their fault kind of deal. I'm like, okay, this is a thing that bugs me, but it, I mm-hmm. shouldn't have looked up that video. So I, but I liked it visually. Well, it's it's yeah. kind of like the old BBC Shakespeare, where every once in a while the the chainmail is pretty recognizable as as heavy wool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, right, right. right. Uh... Of course, I do cosplay, so my brain is also like, oh, how can I make that? Yeah. that? How can I do yeah. that for five dollars? Or or infected skin is bubble wrap. Yeah, I get it. Uh, so <laughs> no, that's Doctor Who, Mike. Come on. <laughs> Uh, Mike, what did you feel? I mean, I know you said that you were kind of cold in the first, in watching the first, but you had to be impressed by the visual. Oh, right? visually, this whole show was stunning. Everything was just beautiful from the CGI to the effects to the costumes to the character placements. It was, it was amazing. The scenery, you know, I was so happy when I found out they were going to be filming in New Zealand again. And it was it's gorgeous it really is gorgeous and it feels like the same universe as the lord of the rings movies because you know when i was a kid we were talking about this actually on um eso board silly um this week when you know with the rankin bass hobbit compared to the bocce lord of the rings movies they did mm-hmm. doesn't feel like the same universes at all this right. feels like different style. Yeah, exactly. This feels like it's the same universe. The orcs look the same. The elves look the same. You know, you could actually see, you know, Elrond growing into Hugo, you know, weaving and everything. And it's pretty awesome. The dwarves, the feel of, you know, the South, the Southlands turning into Mordor. Shocking. I was not yeah, and everything. <laughs> but it it was it was really, really well done. And I liked it. I loved, you know, the feel of it. I loved the stories. And I loved it expanded the universe even further for these 
these stories and it was and it it was just awesome when the elves were passing on to their heaven per se and everything it was it was beautiful and you know there was you know like i said when it first started i was a little cold just because it just took me a little bit to get into it but once I, it caught on and everything i was just like okay what next what next i want to see what happens and everything it's even the beauty of what they call them the little feet or whatever the hard feet hard foots it was it was amazing how innocent they were and how to nature they were and how they tied it in and you could see them that they eventually would become the hobbits and everything it was just it was really neat the uh yeah i will say you know it's been a long time since peter jackson made these movies and a lot's changed and we've seen a lot of i mean the most i think the most striking thing that's changed is that game of thrones came became a thing and a huge thing so that once Lord of the one of the reasons that Lord of the Rings is back is because of the success probably of Game of Thrones. And so there would be a tendency to think that that would be an influence on this new series. And yet, I mean, if it's there, I don't think it's, uh, you know, directly, though, it's certainly not a darker version of Lord of the Rings. I mean, I think it, this this if anything, it reinforces what lord of the rings and tolkien and peter jackson brought to that series where you have uh you have you know bad and evil but you also have like one thing that you don't have in game of thrones is really really good people like and really really good creatures um and a lot of space like you very rarely see on game of thrones like a beautiful shot of like you know the scenery um or from way above but in 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 Lord of the Rings and this Tolkien stuff, I mean, the, the camera, uh, whether it's CG, drone, whatever you, it is, goes like way up in the sky and you just see like all this beautiful scenery around, all these beautiful cities, all these beautiful constructs. Like it's just, it's just really solid as far as that goes. And I, and I sort of like the fact that, um, you know, there might've been a temptation to do more, uh, stories and make it more Games of Thronesy, so to speak. But I didn't feel that way at all in this. If anything, it felt like I was almost a pushback. Um, uh, so let's talk about um, like characters and story arcs. There's a lot going on in this eight uh, episodes. Most of them are over an hour, so there's a lot of content within each episode. Um, and we get introduced by to a lot of characters, some that we you know know from the sequels. I should say, I call them sequence now, but <laughs> Lord of the Rings and Hobbit series. Some are new and newly introduced and some are mysterious. Uh, some are not who they say they are, that kind of thing. So there's a lot going on. Was there any particular character or story that sort of uh, connected with you uh, first and foremost? Uh, Chip, we'll start with you. Um, so if we're going with ones that we liked... Uh, for the most part, I liked the Galadriel and the Elrond stories in the in the show, and I actually really liked the Harfoot and the Stranger. Um, I felt like the biggest weakness that Elrond and Galadriel had is the classic prequel issue of they have to, it's that classic dichotomy of how much do you do fan service of stuff that we know is coming mm -hmm. and lines that we know have to show up in the sequels and how much of it is original because you don't want to go too far one way or the other. 
I really I liked the Stranger Harfoot, like the mystery. They I thought that was handled really well. Like you kind of knew who it was, but they could have pulled that out from under you at the very last minute. But I liked how the whether the stranger was a good guy or a bad guy and how dangerous he was was kind of played with in a in a way that I felt like really kind of worked and made sense for the story. It was that real was interesting with the stranger too, because mm. they had you guessing all the way to the final episode. Well, we still don't know. Well, <laughs> well, well <laughs> we know, you know, we know, he's, you know he's not the dark Lord. Right. We know he's, right. he's Eastari, which is one of the wizards. Yes. So he's one of the wizards. We know that. Um, the, the thing is I'm, I'm kind of, my money's on it being, um, Okay. I think we're in spoiler officially. We're yeah, in spoiler. Yeah, of we, course, we've already said it. Doomed, but I'm just making sure we're clear. I, my money is that he's going to end up being Gandalf, but I would absolutely love if it turned out he was Saruman. Like if they made him Saruman, and this is kind of, we get to see early stages of Saruman sort of descend into darkness that we see in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Sort of seeing him, and this is, we get to really like him and then find out he's Saruman. It's this villain, kind of what they did with Halbrand in a longer stretch. Yeah, there's the the two big mysteries that the series that this season sets up are is who is this, the 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 stranger, and who is Sauron, um, and uh, you know that's it, it. You kind of feel like that the series is trying to tell you that they're one and the same, but yet everything that you see sort of negates that, and so it doesn't feel right. And yet, uh, so we do find out in the last episode um, who the stranger is, at least. Who he's not. <laughs> oh, you totally found um, out who he's but not. But I, I think, you know, obviously the series sets up that that Stranger is Gandalf right from, right from the beginning. Um, but that's almost too easy, right? Like, nah, it can't be because that's, but maybe, maybe it's not going to, maybe it's that simple because this show does, you know, Game of Thrones Hobbit does not like pull the wool out that often. It's sometimes, sometimes a Hobbit is just a Hobbit, right? <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> um, MB, any thoughts on the Stranger storyline? <laughs> it could be Radagast for all we know, really. Touche, <laughs> touche. Be a blue uh, wizard for all we know. I, <laughs> Wasn't he that, shorter? That would, be, that would be an interesting take uh, if he actually were Saruman, uh, because Saruman was one of the Astari. He was, he was respected, and he's the head of the order, and uh, the fact that he turned to, you know, turned to darkness was a, was a surprise in uh, the first film. Um, well, surprise to anyone who, all the characters anyway, who was watching, it's like, yeah, it's Christopher right. Lee. We know he's going to be bad. <laughs> no? oh. uh, but um, yeah, this this could go any way. I, I suspect it probably is going to be Gandalf, but with his affinity for the little little folk, the, uh, uh, the, the Harfoots who eventually evolve into hobbits. But um, uh, yeah, the Galadriel uh, um, she was it's very intense <laughs> very yeah. driven. it's like how where what happened you know where because the the galadriel we knew from the movies is a very ethereal very 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 chill you know <laughs> and this 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 galadriel is 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 very intense i mean she jumps off the boat just before going into heaven and swims all the way back to middle earth or or uh, numenor uh, but um yeah the uh the characterization was was interesting and and uh, I I I like the fact that all the elves basically sounded like they had just sort of you know they they just got 
you know, finished their exams at Eton. Um, <laughs> oh, know, yeah. They're, and, and their dialogue, the they're, 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 the way they're written is just, yeah, same thing. It's like, yeah, they're, the way I'm they there. speak and everything, it's just, it's sort of refreshing, though. I really like, like, I mean, it takes a while to, it takes talent to master that, both writing it and delivering it. And I thought yeah. it was pretty solid. And and the look of them, I mean, they're, they're so clean and the haircuts are just perfect. And, and the, you know, the ears are, are, you know, they're all sort of, you know, very well done. And uh, um, uh, the, uh, even the ones who are kidnapped by the orcs, they're all still very, very British, you know. Um, uh, actually, the orcs, I, I, I thought that the way that they did the orcs was really, uh, because, you know, you're used to sort of seeing orcs as, you know, yeah, they're these guys, they bumble around, they, but they're, they are actually really nasty guys. And there's that one, there's one orc in that one scene where he comes up to the floor and these guys cannot handle this one orc, you know, you're used to seeing Legolas and, 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 you know, uh, Aragorn just sort of lopping off heads left, right and center. But you got to realize, you know, these, these are just normal guys. They're not warriors. And, and one orc is actually really uh, dangerous tough, and uh, tough to kill. Yeah. And, and the feet, you know, they, 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 they made them, they did a good job of making them very frightening. Oh, uh, very and, much and a very so. palpable threat. Um, they were just you know, not cannon though, father in this at all. Yeah. Yeah. They're not just going to be crushed by rocks or whatever. And, you know, um, they are, uh, you know, they're, they're a very dangerous, deadly threat. And I thought the series did a good job at, at establishing that, uh, you know, right off the bat. Um, and of course the Harfoots all sounded like someone who just roused them out of a pub in, in, uh, you know, um, <laughs> Dublin or something like that, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, Mike, was there a uh, particular character or storyline that uh, that oh. you appreciated in this run? I actually really enjoyed the the kinship between Elrond and also, of course, Durin. Yes, I mm. loved that. I thought the two of them, the chemistry between the two of them, and then to the throw in Durin's wife, Deza. <laughs> Yeah, she, she is. She is awesome. <laughs> like she almost like like well, as She's, typical of anything else uh, that you know involves like, Tolkien, the dwarves like almost steal the show. Oh, like yeah. they just they, they they come this close to stealing the show um, because I, I like like you said, Mike. Like like I'm watching it and I like it. I'm 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 all in uh, the get the gal. Galadriel? Galadriel? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, thank you. Um, is is compelling to me. I think she's I think she's fantastic. I think the that's a it's it's an interesting arc. But then once the dwarves are introduced, I'm like, oh my God, this is this show got just so much livelier, so much better. I can connect with it. Well, I loved how he, you know, Derwin confronted his father. And, you know, and it was interesting, especially once they found the medal. And, you know, how it could, you know, save the elves, but they use it later on for so much more because that's what they used. What was it? Frodo's um, chain mail and yeah. everything in the Lord of the Rings and was also was created from that. And I loved the scene where, you know, the king had the leaf that was restored by the metal and tossed it down the hole and then caught when it got to the bottom what was waiting down there for them and it was that was just awesome it was just like foreshadowing you know big time <laughs> and but i also liked the story that was going on um I, i'm gonna torture the names sorry but it's 
Erinder. It was he was the uh, elf who got captured by the right by the by the orcs, and yeah, who's in the who's in the who's in love with the mortal exactly, but a human. But it's funny because he's you know he's not the first elf to obviously have a relationship with a human because they were Auron is is half elf mm-hmm. and everything. So and I didn't know that. I was like surprised by that. So it's just like, oh, I didn't know. So it was interesting. And I I like that storyline. I thought it, you know, he was just, he was almost like the Energizer bunny. He just kept on going and going and going. <laughs> but he, he was went through the, a lot. Oh, he did. And, you know. Maybe more so than anybody else's first season. I mean, he really, he went through a lot. Well, having his whole, you know, troop of, you know, elves being captured by the orcs and having to work to help dig the tunnels and that's you know that's when you realized how scary the orcs were again you know because you know he you thought oh he's gonna escape he's just gonna wipe them out you know blah 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 but no they they took them out and everything and then you had their leader who was a former elf you know he got corrupted creepy oh very much so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a corrupt nothing creepier than a corrupted elf i think <laughs> which, um which is awesome though and it was and it kept you guessing because you were kept kept on trying to guess who was sauron mm-hmm. the whole until the final episode and it's funny in an interview the actor who actually ended up becoming sauron when he first at the, when he was first reading the scripts and all the way through the first couple of episodes, he had no idea that he was eventually going to be Sora. Mm-hmm. Which is how, awesome. how, how do you guys feel that was telegraphed at all? Or was it a surprise that Halbrand turned uh, out to be Sauron? I, I don't, I don't feel it was telegraphed at all. As a matter of fact, I, I was almost suspecting that they'd kind of made it up on the fly, <laughs> 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 but um uh, I, I, I guess, and that's the, one of the themes of of the um, of the whole series was mistaken identities, um, mm. and because there is the mistaken identity, I mean, Galadriel assumes that that this guy on, that she meets on the ship is Halbrand because he's got the little he's got the necklace thing. Uh, she assumes he's the king of the Southland, um, and uh, you know the um, there is also the mistaken identity when the, those three weird um uh women who 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 find the you know the the stranger and they they assume it's it's Sauron but it's not um you know he's he's not Sauron he's good um the uh the one of the men that gets you know he throws his lot in with the with the orcs and he just assumes that Adar is Sauron but he, but he's not so that whole theme of mistaken identities you know is uh it's it's like there's something there that could have actually been been pulled together a little better. Um, it, it's um, writing writing's hard, um, you know, and, <laughs> and bringing you know, bringing here, bringing these themes yeah. in, you know, to uh, to sort of a satisfying conclusion is uh, it, it, it eluded, I think, the, the writers here because um, there was a lot of potential. Uh, uh, um, under underlying themes that just don't don't sort of gel in the end. Um, and, and in fact, uh, that was one of the problems that I had with it was that so many how you know these people. It's like how 
that's a little dim. You know, it's a little stupid that that Galadriel thinks just assumes just because he's wearing the necklace that he is, you know, um, and also that the uh, the three weird villains in the end, the the um, those women, the, you know, si- they, the sisters they, of mercy or whatever they sister, were. Yeah, because because he came in on the on the fireball, I guess. They figured, okay, that must be, that's our guy. But it's like, oh, wait, no, it's not. Um, uh, well, well, to be fair, Gadriel is not wrong. And Halbrand's not wrong when, when he says that he's the king of the Southland. I mean, he ends up being like it's, it's, it's the extreme, head yeah, of the Southland. Not, not like the way that- <laughs> but not the Southland you were expecting. <laughs> exactly. Because <yeah. laughs> uh, there, there, there is that. And, and to your point, I do think, um, all right, so... I don't think anything is really left up to chance. I mean, according to the the, the showrunners, they say that they know what the last shot's going to be. They they have signed on to do five seasons, fifty hours plus of material here. Uh, although they will say that I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was COVID or some other reason, but they did change this season from ten to eight episodes. So if things start to move a little faster in the last couple of episodes, that's why. Um, but I thought that was helpful, actually. Um, not that I was minding the pace, but it just seemed like, okay, we're building up to something. I do like it when a finale kind of ends. It didn't feel rushed way. at all at the end. No. Didn't? Do you? Okay. No, it didn't. That's good. It was. It was interesting, you know, you had your oh my god moment when Mount Doom exploded and everything yeah. at the end of the seventh episode. Man, I thought they were all. I mean, I knew they couldn't be, but I was just like, man, they're all dead. Like, like how can they? Like this wave of lava and fire is coming at everybody, and I'm like, how are they going to survive? And you know, of course, they'd have to because they, they, you know, they can't die there. Yeah. I will say I, that. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, Tim, go ahead. The twist was the only was really my only big disappointment this season, kind of like MD saying, is that it it didn't for me it wasn't the I it I don't like and it's and I I love Marvel, but it is Marvel's influence that everybody every series has to have a twist villain now. And mm. I think even Marvel fans will kind of admit that really worked in WandaVision, kind of worked in Loki, not really worked in anything else since, but everybody has to have this like surprise villain reveal at the end of the season in the first season. And I was kind of banking on Hallbrand ending up being the Witch King of Angmar and then Sauron continuing to be the sort of nebulous presence as we went along. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to see, I, I, you don't, I don't want them to humanize Sauron. I don't want them to turn him into this guy who gets angry and sits in a chair and we hear talking. I like him better as, you know, there's a reason Tolkien wrote him as a giant lidless eyes because you can make that this big <laughs> monstrous thing that's just scary mm-hmm. and that's what he's supposed to be and i kind of wish they had left him kind of in this vague you know second to none on earth on middle earth situation and let Hallbrand be somebody else it would have mm-hmm. been interesting at the end of the season you know instead of him coming into the valley and seeing the you know the whatever the, the volcano and everything it would have been great to see him picking up the armor or something like that instead, mm-hmm. you know, it, it would have been like, okay, this makes sense instead, you know, but instead you're, I hope you don't have him being humanized or something. Cause I don't want Sauron to be humanized at all. Well, also with the Hallbrand character, it does have the issue that it now comes across as the great evil overlord, Chad. Cause he just <laughs> looks too human. He looks like, he's like it's the great overlord, Mike. 
Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm with Hello, you. you know that's the way it should be. Exactly. You know, I'm, but I'm with you. I like next season. I want to see him in the armor. I don't want to see the actor talking. Like you can use his voice, but put him in the armor and let him be the big evil presence in the series. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know if. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what you know his official history is or a lot of the characters that i've seen in the movies i don't know what their official origin stories are um but it would be interesting i think someone in the series mentioned something about how he's he's constantly trying to evolve to that that state like that we're going to see him in later um and it would be interesting to see him continue to experiment and and get more and more deformed if you will or like with each sort of like you know with each sort of passing season until suddenly well, he just well, becomes cor- like the corruption of uh, uh, yeah. yeah exactly that on, on that scale now you're right he does kind of look like you know he doesn't look like a, a, a he doesn't look like the big bad let's put it that way <laughs> so at least not yet but you know um that it could that be probably a fraud just, and know. yeah exactly and <laughs> and there are no and once the once the secret is out there's no real repercussions i mean gadriel knows but she doesn't run and tell anybody and she doesn't say hey stop what you're doing this might not be a good idea instead like it's like boom there we go we did it we need and three like, rings instead you know? <laughs> yeah, um, no, no, that's, i guess that was the only clue was that he's really into metallurgy he's, he's really <laughs> blacksmithing there's the clue that that was i, I knew he was Sarah. Yeah, he did. Go that's, that's, what, that's what did it. Okay, that was yeah. a red flag for me because he did seem to become a different person once he got there. Like all of a sudden, he was healed and he was like active and he was doing stuff and he wasn't really. Yeah, he was almost too involved. And I'm like, all right, something else is going on with him. And uh, yeah, I didn't know he was going to end up being Sauron, but you know, I like I said, I don't tend to know these characters as much i knew that that was a figure that we were waiting to to find out who it was because a lot of this season seems to be the aftermath of the events of the first age the big battle um so we're 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 seeing again it's sort of like the way like the the stuff from the third age starts it's after all of this big battle stuff has happened and it's the aftermath of it and in this we're, we're it's the same thing where it's like you know that 10 minute or five minute whatever it was look at you know sort of recap of what happened in the first age made me think of the 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 the, the first few parts of uh lord of the rings where we you know see all that stuff that happened in in i guess in the second age right is that what is, is happening there or the beginning yeah, at, of the third at age the, it was like the end of the second age when so the bit the battle happens and that's what leads into the third age after, so there's all talks Sorens, about like yeah all this stuff that happened in the first age. And I'm kind of like, why didn't we go back to that? Well, yeah, true. And it's, you know, that's not to say they can't do it at some point. Cause they probably will. Um, and then, you know, to play the, play the safe bet, you know, introduce a few characters that we know from, from uh, the movies and stuff, just so there's a connection there. Um, but uh, anything else? Now, let's, I mean, we don't have a lot of time left, but um, I want to get into like any sort of issues that you guys had specifically with you, Chip, on, on any sort of disappointments with what was taken as liberties with the source material. Um, I will say there's not that much. It's kind of funny that you brought up uh, House of the Dragon at the beginning of the episode, because it has that similar that, if you go back and read the Summerlin 
the second age doesn't have like the first age is really detailed you know who's doing what what battle happened here who's this the second age is very much and the Numenor came back and they fought and then they they corrupted there's a handful of names but it's not to that level of like absolute it's kind of like again like um fire and blood with house of the dragon there's there's a lot of there's a bit of gray area so they didn't the wizards being there early is very out of canon and why they were sent and sort of the logic behind their but it also doesn't necessarily contradict a lot in canon so you can kind of play with that um there was some of that i didn't have any issues with the canon like i said my big issue was the Hallbrand reveal, and I will say that said, um, the scene where he tries to corrupt, corrupt Gladriel, I thought was the best scene in the series so far. It, that, that, it really that was ten re- minutes of them talking was one of the best scenes in the series. It really reflected what happens with her in the movie too, where she gets mm-hmm. tempted by the ring. Like I thought that was that was really well done. Yeah, it was interesting too because you had, you know, like Chip said you have names and you have certain you know about that the uh the fall of the island kingdom you have the rise of sauron you have you know all the rings of power coming into being and everything so over the next couple of seasons you're going to see you know the elves have the three rings you're going to have to see the seven uh rings for the dwarves you're going to have to see the nine uh rings of you know for the humans yeah because everybody's going to want one exactly mm-hmm. they're stylish they you know they're cool well, they have to set a trend here well you know because <laughs> the, the bearers of the nine rings of hu- the humans become the dark riders for sauron yeah and everything yeah. which is watching watching the, the the nine for mortal men doomed to die become the nazgul would, yeah. would be interesting story arc if they get there no (laughs) that's why i was kind of hoping it was all brand sorry yeah well no it totally made sense i was thinking that too because you also have the you know the king of the men is the one who slashes the ring off of sauron and then he tries to take the ring for himself yeah and it corrupts him and which is isildur yeah. Who is who is uh, uh, presu- missing and presumed dead in, at the end of the series, which is which I found kind of odd. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know he's got to come back. Well, wait, wait, exactly. is that the is that the the, the kid. sea captain's kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know mm-hmm. he's not dead. Like I'm like I'm he's not dead. The horse is going <laughs> to find him, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, horse exactly. <laughs> the horse ran off. He's alive. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I was thinking because it's like yeah, he's going to become the king of men. And he's the one who gets corrupted at, at, by the ring at the battle. And, you know, it's, uh, what is it? It's uh, Elrond who tries to convince him to throw it into Mount Doom. And he keeps it for himself. And that ends up killing him. He gets killed by it. And the ring falls into the into the river. And that's where um, Gollum finds it, or Smeagol. So. Um are these like spoilers for season five? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mike. 65-year-old spoilers, you know. <laughs> Maybe they'll longer. go fully like non-canon and the daughter will have a, uh, the his sister that's non-canon will end up having a son at the end of season two. We've decided to name him after our brother, Isildur. Oh, right. <laughs> and it'll end up being like his grandson instead of his son. It'll be the big yeah. twist. <laughs> 
Uh, Mike, to your point though, when you were talking about all these things that we get to see prior to, you know, the, the, the war that happens, uh, at the end of the second age and whatnot, one thing that I did really was like, oh my God, this is really living up to all the things we heard about it in, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies was, uh, what Kazadoom looked like prior to like all the bad stuff like they they really made that dwarf city look amazing oh it was beautiful we know we know what happens to it so it's even more beautifully uh, beautiful but it's almost tragically beautiful because you're like man this gets wrecked (laughs) (laughs) well it's because it's interesting too because the story behind that is you know the orcs take over the you know take over that city or un- the dwarfs you know caves and basically then after the hobbit some of the the elves tr- uh, dwarfs sorry um try to go and recap and try to recapture it to rebuild down there and that turns out to be a total disaster for them because that's one of the dwarfs who was on, in the hobbit was the one that was in the tomb they were fighting over in lord of the rings and everything and it, it's just it's just it's just amazing all the you know how it all starts tying together and everything well that that's what's going to be that's what's going to be happening in uh, seasons to come uh for sure like well i mean we don't know exactly how how far they're going to go um as far as into the events of the uh the second age um what that last shot that they foresee is going to be we don't know and we don't know if there's going to be time jumps between seasons uh but uh so we don't know a lot about what's coming no the time jumps um, is game of thrones dude come on you know that <laughs> <laughs> that happens that happens within the season that happens within episodes like it's like like that's it happens like if you blink um uh but um as far as Lord of the Ring goes, and yes, we've got a lot of potential things that we could see in this series. So that's kind of where I'm going to ask, where we're going to sort of uh, our last little point of discussion here. And what's something that you would like to see either in the second season or that's covered in this series? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see what happened to Isildur for, for one. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and the, uh, actually the, I w- I'd like to see more about the, um, uh, the the building of the rings, the making of the rings. That I didn't get the sense that, uh, yeah, I mean, the old idea is that uh, Sauron put his evil into the ring somehow. You know, used his evil as part of the forge, and there's they gave suggestions of how he was doing that when Galadriel and her her squad was going through the that that uh, uh, creepy under underplace. Oh, right. and, you know, and they sort of got the idea that he was doing these weird experiments to to try and do something, you know, absolutely horrible. But, but uh, I didn't, I didn't really see any of that when they were forging the three rings. It all looked very, uh, there, there's the one bit of science in this is the, the science of, of, uh, of metallurgy. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know much about metallurgy, so they might've just made it all up, but it, I it didn't, sound, sounded good okay. to me. But. <laughs> just to pause real quick. I must say, I didn't quite understand how you go from, we need a lot of this to help our, our, our help save our tree to let's make these rings. That'll solve the problem. Like I didn't like, that was a weird sort yeah. of jump that I didn't quite understand. It seemed like originally they were going to be creating a crown or something that was going to channel the light into mm-hmm. it for the tree. And so, but then they didn't have enough material. So that's where they went with the ring. And we're then to crown the tree. 
Oh. It had to be a circle, sort of sort of like the Large Hadron Collider, but in a crown kind of thing. And and then, well, we don't have enough metal to do that, so we're just going to do the little rings, you know. It's well, like, they, it's like, a, it's like also, a big project that just sort of gets smaller and smaller in scope as they as they deal with realities. <laughs> well, they did also bring up the idea of alloys. That's why they needed the Valar, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 Valinor gold and silver. It was the whole point of that, the that was sort of stretching out the the mithril. And I think they were going to crown the king. I think that was the whole, because that's yeah. the thing that's repeatedly brought up in the books is that the the three rings are the reasons why, you know, um, and I'm going to get yelled at by book fans because I can't remember Elrond's uh, kingdom. Um, Rivendell? But, yeah, thank you. Sorry, I had a brain fart. That's um, okay. But that's why Rivendell, that's why Mirkwood, that's why these elven kingdoms were still these like power bases in the third age was because the people controlling them had the rings. And that was sort of the big, that power was carried over into them. And that's why after Sauron is destroyed and the ring's power is kind of broken, they finally have to leave because their power is diminished by the destruction of the one. Exactly. Like that's that whole tie. That's why the elves were leaving Middle Earth at the end of Lord of the Rings is because it it basically was foretold in this story. If they hadn't done created the rings for the tree and everything they would have had to leave they were already saying we're leaving the world of men they were saying this in the last couple episodes of the show Mm -hmm. the uh yeah i i you know i get it um it's just sort of like yeah sounds weird you know and it's just like one of those things it's like really uh, this elven metal the only like then this whole city, the only examples you have of it are in this knife. Like I'm like, really? Like that that seems kind of stretchy. But okay, whatever. You know, it is what it is. And and I and it still looks good. It's still, you know, the actors are still doing a great job. So I'm not complaining about that. But it's just it's just one of those things that you kind of have to you know, like magic, right? It's because it's magic. It has to move the plot along magically. Uh <laughs> um Chip, what's something that you want to see in either next season or in future seasons? Um, the corruption of Numenor, because the in the books it's said that the Numenorians invade when Sauron starts to kind of feel his oats. He starts to take over. The Numenorians invade. They capture Sauron, and then and of course the the show is still compressing the timeline pretty heavily. But there is this sort of slow corruption where Sauron, in a few generations, goes from basically being locked in a cell by himself to the chief advisor of the king of Numenor. And I would love to see that sort of play out, that corruption, that idea of then he, that's actually, you know, part of what destroys Numenor and what leads to its downfall is they start following, you know, the obviously evil guy, you know, advisor make obviously bad advice and things go horribly wrong for them. Who could have guessed? But I would love to see that. They do Mm -hmm. seem to be using Numenor in, in particularly to, let's just say, not that uh indirectly like talk or deal with or involve like real life relevant events <laughs> you know like you be like you know that 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 one guy is like you know wearing the hat that says make Numenor great again like he's just like like there's like you know <laughs> no no the elves are coming over here and they're going to steal all our jobs and like i'm just like i'm like no wow. i'm not thinking like, about a sash like no I, sash. i'm i'm just like i'm just like wow i don't recall like Lord of the Rings being so like relevant and I'm like I don't I don't mind it but it just seemed kind of like okay I could see where this is going Mm -hmm. 
Well, so I, I, I definitely think there'll be more of that in play. Oh, very much so. You're going to see a lot of that. But this is also, you know, in you know the, some of the stories that Tolkien did do, this all t- was supposed to take place over thousands of years. And mm-hmm. I think they're, unless they do some massive time jumps, you know, it's going to have to be really compressed over five seasons. Yeah, well, I mean, it is, I mean, I do think the way they compress it is, you know, pretty, pretty okay. Like they, I mean, obviously the events that happen, it doesn't take just three days to have the events happen that happened in the series. Like it's over like years. Right. So I think that's, that's pretty solid. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if season two starts with a time jump. We're up even, I don't know, hundred years. I mean, cause with these, a lot of these characters, except for the human ones, you can't really do even humans live a lot longer back then. The Numenorians, they're they're all descended from Elrond's brother, so they're all kind of quarter elven as well. So they, they live when a like, little uh, bit longer. Yeah, Aragorn talks about like he was three hundred years old. That kind of oh wow, gotcha. Yeah, they 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 have some ages on them. Gotcha, gotcha. So um, so yeah, I definitely think that uh, I yeah, I mean I'm I'm in. I I don't know the the history as well as you know. Certainly, a lot of people that read the books and are familiar with it. Um, I don't even know the movies well enough to be like, oh, I hope that we see this character or that character and find out what, you know, their origin or whatever. Um, but I I just am finding it really interesting that this, that, uh, and I hope, you know, I hope that the story uh, keeps moving forward. I imagine it's just going to be a, a tale of light and dark. And that's what I expect from Tolkien um, and a constant battle uh, uh, where you see uh, folks that are tempted and give in to temptation and folks that resist it. And I, uh, I think that's the key for me for uh, these stories. And that's what I hope continues. I think it's going to be real interesting to see where they go with it and let's just have fun with it. And I'm already waiting for season two. Yeah. I don't know if we've got a, a, a date on when that might start. Um, it, this seems like it's a, lot to produce a lot of uh effort goes into this so i would imagine we're not going to get it really soon but who knows like uh you know they're pouring so much money into this that i i have to believe that i i would like to i would have liked to have been the one to see that like uh i know some people saw the first two episodes on the big screen uh i guess when it first premiered and that, that would have been i bet it holds up just as well unless you know you're really focusing on certain things like chip did <laughs> Uh, any final words about Rings of Power? Um, from what uh, Wikipedia is saying, production for the second season began in the UK on October 3rd, 2022. So it's going to be quite some time before we see yeah, probably. season two, at least two years, probably. Yeah. I mean, this could take, you know, 10 to 12 years to produce, really, if not more. Uh, Thousands so, of uh, years. No. So, like, yeah. So, uh, you know. Hire, I guess, uh, glad, good thing I hired all these young actors and actresses because they're going to be they're going to be really old by the time uh, the show's done. But uh, um, and I do like uh, I will say it seems like this first season was more uh, Gadriel's story, and I and I thought that the actress who has a Tolkien name her, herself, Morfid, Morfid, I think, uh, uh, Clark, uh, I think she's phenomenal. I think she's yeah. done a great job. Uh, carrying this season so i i do uh i look forward to seeing her as well as well as all the other actors too i think i don't think there was a weak link for me so 
Um, all right. Well, thanks guys for joining us. Uh, I'm sure that when uh, season two finally does air, we will cover it. And uh, of course you guys are, are all invited to take place in the, and take part of the discussion. And uh, we will be right back as we close out the show. Unless they go to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Unless, they, unless they're tempted by uh, Sauron. Yeah, exactly. Well, then we could provide an interesting counterpoint to all the arguments. <laughs> he's he's just trying to save the world. Mm-hmm. Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. Their last album of original material was back in 2005 with a bigger bang, but we may have new Rolling Stones music by next summer. The Glimmer Twins have been in Electric Lady Studios in New York working with bassist Daryl Jones and Steve Jordan on drums. He, of course, came on board after the passing of Charlie Watts last year. Sources say that a global tour is likely after the album's release. They'll they'll be at it long after the rest of us are gone, I think. Uh, Mick Mars, uh, lead guitarist, of course, for Motley Crue. He's been a member of that band for 41 years. It blows my mind to think they've been around that long. Uh, He has announced that he will no longer be able to tour with the band due to his ongoing struggles with the disease ankylosing spondylitis. This is a degenerative and very painful disease that attacks the spine. Uh, They have not said who will replace him on the road. Uh, The rumors are going around that uh, John Five, who used to play for Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie, uh, he was just on tour with Rob Zombie, uh, that he will be called to step in. And if you missed Moon Age Daydream in the theaters, uh, the DVD and Blu-ray release date is November 15th, and it'll be available on digital HD from Amazon Video and iTunes starting also on November 15th. Uh, Do yourself a favor, watch it on the biggest screen and with the best sound system you can. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment, and we'll catch you next time. It was the dawn of another podcast. The Epsilon 3 is a dream given form. It's a home away from home for three guys to watch a 90s sci-fi classic TV show. Three guys with microphones over 3,249 miles apart, all alone in the night. The year is 2021. The name of the station is Babylon 5. The name of the podcast is the Epsilon 3. Veer, bring me a drink. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Power of the Doctor, the final 13th Doctor episode, and this is pretty unspoilery as well, so if you haven't watched it yet, this is really just my opinions on some certain issues in it without spoiling them. I really love Jodie as the Doctor. I do not love how her seasons have gone, and I really blame that more on the showrunner. As someone who grew up watching Doctor Who and has basically been waiting to see a female Doctor her entire life, I was thrilled with the choice and her portrayal of the Doctor throughout all of her seasons. I knew going into Power of the Doctor that it would have me in tears, like most Regeneration episodes do, and it did. And I absolutely loved all the cameos and guest stars that we got from classic Who actors as well. 
I did feel, as I did with many of the 13th Doctor stories, that there were parts that dragged on and that it could have been tighter writing-wise. But Jodie seriously knew how she wanted to portray the Doctor and she went all in. And I absolutely love her for that. I was so excited to see Ace and Tegan again and I really loved their role in this episode also. Overall, I enjoyed the story. I do really like Sasha Dewan as the master. His portrayal was so unhinged and it worked for me though. And plus also Jodie and him, they both played off of each other so well and worked together so well as the doctor and the master. Overall, I really enjoyed the special. There was a lot of stuff that I do wish was tighter to make it flow better, but it was fun. And the scene with Yaz and the doctor on the TARDIS looking at the earth at the end was such a lovely visual of their friendship. I am really excited to see what we will get next, and I'm really, really sad to see Jodie go as the Doctor as well. I do wish she had had a better showrunner, because I feel that had she had the same as the past newer Doctors had had, her seasons would have been absolutely fantastic. But I was still in tears all throughout this special, like I kind of already knew I was and had to kind of go in knowing that this was probably going to wreck me emotionally for a little while, which it did. But still, if you haven't seen it yet, I would highly suggest going and watching The Power of the Doctor. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. And we want to thank our guests for being here tonight. Mr. M.D. Jackson, thank you, my friend. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. Anything you want to shout out about or promote? Uh, Dark Worlds Quarterly is the website that I administer. Uh, lots of good stuff there. Um, darkworldsquarterly.gwthomas.org. Um, and also, um, uh, my other personality is a writer, Jack McKenzie, Jack McKenzie Writer at WordPress.com. You can find out all about all the crazy books that I've written. And uh, that's it. It is a pleasure having you, sir. Thank you. And of course, Chip, it was weird not talking science with you, but you know, this is Middle Earth, so science is thrown out the window anyway. <laughs> that is true. It's, it's the opposite of science. Exactly. <laughs> it's magic. No, it's metallurgy. There's science in the metallurgy. That's how that's how sure. we Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you believe that one. Okay. Chip, Chip's a complicated man. Exactly. <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Um, the only, I don't have anything for me, but I will say my wife and I just started watching it on Netflix. Uh, the cabinet of curiosities it is a good, it is a Guillermo del Toro show. If you have not watched it, if you're like me and you like good kind of episodic horror show, it is very good. We watched like first three or four episodes. It is del Toro. So there is a lot of slithering and slime and that kind of stuff, but it is a, we really, it was really good. And, uh, I also finally got around to seeing Werewolf by Night, which I also recommend on the Marvel side. That's on my list. It is on my list. Definitely looking forward to seeing that one. Very cool, sir. And of course, Mr. Mike, we made it through another one. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout about, sir? Yeah, a couple guys that uh, about a decade ago formed a independent comic company called About Time Comics uh, are doing a... Uh, Kickstarter uh, that's collecting their longtime series Godson into a volume. It's uh, six issues, 
and uh, this is uh, Lee Giles and Eric Dodson, and uh, I've been around them. I mean, we've been doing the convention circuit around pretty much the same same time for the same the last decade. So, uh, Godson is a cool book, and they're they're finally glad to see it traded uh, in in one volume. So, I would definitely recommend picking up. I'm going to have a link in the in the show notes for the co- uh, the Kickstarter. There's about two weeks to go on it. They've already met their goal, so good for them. Congratulations, guys! Uh, but if you want to get take advantage of getting this trade with some extras, some really cool extras, uh, check out the Kickstarter and uh, support these guys. That's awesome. It's always nice when you could support, you know, an upcoming and you know what, a lot of them need it. And you know what, we will eventually, you know, be able to support everyone because, you know, if get more listeners to ESO, we'll be able to throw our money around going here. We'll help them. We'll help them. We'll help them. And until then, please help us. We need it too. So it's okay. We're not too proud to beg on this show. And you know what, folks? want to give a shout out real quick to the folks who have already subscribed to our YouTube channel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Um, it's a big step for me and Mike. We've talked about it for years about going up onto YouTube. And finally, we just said, heck with it. We're going to do it. And you know what? Thank you for the folks who have been supporting us, the folks who've been leaving feedback, the folks who have subscribed, giving us thumbs up. You know what? It never hurts. And it's just nice to know we're giving you more ways to find Earth Station One and to find, you know, our content out there. You know, we're trying to put it up on all the different, you know, aggregators as they call them for podcasts. And, you know, now the next step is us to jump into video and we're going to be bringing you more and more video content as it goes on. You know, not just the two segments a week and everything. We'll have other stuff coming, you know. What they are, we don't know yet. It's going to be evolving, and that's the cool thing about it. And we just have fun with it, and it's neat being able for folks to say, it's neat actually to see you guys talk to these people, to do see what you guys are doing when you're doing the Geek Seat or to do, while we're doing the interviews or we're talking about the main topics. So it's pretty awesome to see. And you know what? If you can help us, the best way to do it is to you know subscribe. Or, you know, thumbs up. All you have to do is look up Earth Station One on YouTube. We're up there. Please subscribe. We would really appreciate it. And with that being said, we will be back again next week. We are going to review another TV show, one very similar to the one we just got done watching. We're going to be looking at House of Dragons. That's right. It should be a lot of lot different, actually, than what we've just watched. And... It'll be very interesting to see what these folks think about it, who we have talked to talk all about it. And, you know, does it rank up with Game of Thrones or is it a pal, you know, predecessor or what? You know, it'll be very interesting to see what we think on this one. But of course, we would love to hear from you guys. You know, feedback at Earth Station One is always the best way for to get in touch with us, as we always like to say. And you know what? Thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We couldn't do this without you. We want to hear from you. Like we just said, please write us anytime at feedback at earthstation1.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And now Earth Station One can even be found in video format on YouTube. That's right, folks. You have to see Mike and I. You actually have to see what our faces look like. <laughs> and as we would like to say, faces for radio, as we always used to say. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. 
on behalf of myself, Mike Faber, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, Chip Johnson, and MD Jackson. Thanks for listening to us tonight. We will be seeing you guys next time here on Earth Station One. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and just, you know, have fun. You know, tonight as a recording was Halloween, and it's kind of spooky out there. But now it's time, as soon as midnight strikes here on the East Coast, it's time for Christmas music. That's right. Break out the eggnog. Break out all the trees and everything. It's It's a holly jolly season all, all of a sudden. Until then, my name's Mike Faber. I'll see you here next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we are done. Boom. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.